are listening to Ouija Broads. You are listening to the road edition uh, because <laughs> we're recording on iPhone headphones because yep. Devin's all packed up because she's coming back to up. Washington. I'm coming back to Washington. My gear is somewhere in the office, which contains all of our boxes. I, mm. yeah, shoot, dude. That's Devin, by the way. I'm Liz. Hey, I'm Devin. Yeah, she is. It's true. <laughs> we didn't even introduce but, ourselves because we're so fucking excited to be back in the same goddamn state. Yeah, and I'm excited to be recording with you again. Yes. I will say the every other week release schedule has been very good for me. Yeah. But I miss talking to you. I miss talking to you, too. I know. I have some good stories for you that I think are going to make you feel better. Stories with a plural. Well, it's kind of one story that's one of the deepest rabbit holes that I've encountered. Oh my goodness. And that's why I had to delay our getting started so I could just get an outline and actually go through this in some kind of logical way. Okay. But I used a couple books that I will recommend to folks. If they like rabbit holes... This is one that versus some of the other ones we've looked into, like the Prince of Thulia or Raleigh Faulkner, actual historians have dug into it over the years. Okay. So. I'm so intrigued. Here we go. So, Devin, what was your burlesque name when you used to do burlesque? (laughs) My burlesque name was Butch Cassidy. Oh, my God. I love it. You mean the famous Spokane resident, Butch Cassidy? (laughs) doing this this. yes just like the supposed famous spokane resident butch cassidy yeah and i like it because it's like cassidy is kind of a sexy name and butch has like all these other meanings Mm -hmm. and it was just a very very good pun and you know i appreciate those very much i'm so glad you do i felt very good coming up with that (laughs) spur of the moment name do, do you get it? Spur? Because Butch Cassidy was a cowboy. <laughs> so did you ever watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid when you were growing up? The uh, Robert Redford, uh, Paul mm-hmm. Newman Paul Newman. Mm. I have not mm. seen it. Mm. But I have not seen it. I saw it. it only a couple years ago. Before we had a kid, Matt and I were on this thing of we were going to watch all the hundred top movies from AFI or whatever. All right. So we watched that. I liked it pretty well. If people are going to check it out, I'll warn you. There's a part where it looks like one of the characters is going to sexually assault a woman. And I was really tensed up and freaked out. But actually, it's just like a completely consensual, oh, no, here comes the bandit to have his way with the role play between two adults who know each other. Gotcha. So. Do you have any associations with Butch Cassidy or just that he's an outlaw? Just that he's an outlaw. It was it was a, you know, I, I went for the Butch pun, of course. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the cowboy aspect because it goes with the tattoo that I have on my thigh, which as a burlesque performer mm-hmm. was going to be visible at all times. Please describe that. <laughs> my daddy and my brother are both champion shooters in multiple states for duelist and black powder shooting through the Single Action Shooter Society. And what my dad typically shoots duelist with, and duelist means a gun in each hand, he shoots black powder loads in these Colt 45s that are named Liberty and Justice. And they have Mastodon <laughs> ivory grips, and they're beautiful. I hate guns. Wow. I absolutely, absolutely <laughs> dislike guns. But I do inherit these guns, and I'm pretty 
okay with that. And so I have one of dad's guns on my right thigh, you know, as though it were in a holster, but the holster is not visible. So, yeah, I feel like conceptually just the, the whole big picture of guns stresses me out lately, mm-hmm. but I love the idea of preserving these historical techniques and these yeah. historical skills and doing, you know, their target shooting and yeah. they're, they're demonstrating an ability. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I won't say nobody's getting hurt. I'm pretty sure your daddy has some black powder in his face. Oh my but... god, daddy has so much black powder in his face. <laughs> he had a gun blow up on him in his face, and now he's got tattoos like Morgan Freeman across his cheek, uh... and it got into his eye, so it tattooed the white of his eye. He's got burns on his hand. You know, he, he loads his own his own cartridges, uh, and so does my brother. So if they explode, you know, it's their fault. They know who did it. (laughs) So that's what makes me really nervous being around other people who have guns, where I'm Mm -hmm. like, if the people I know that are very safe with them have accidents, I don't know, dick about you, you could also have an accident. So go away from me with that gun. Yeah, it's kind of like how there's a lot of people that I wouldn't trust to order dinner for me if I was in the bathroom when the waitress came, but they drive. But they drive is right. Like, oh no, you're making so many decisions with a very powerful piece of machinery. Anyway, but no, anyway, um, I'm just having fun talking to my friend. I'm having fun talking to you too. Um, No, I, I went with Butch Cassidy for the, I, you know, I like the historic tie. I like the outlaw idea. I like, you know, and of course this is like my, my, glamorized glorified version Mm -hmm. of it of course i don't actually like people who shoot other folks and rob shit but i did really also (laughs) you know i love the iconic duo pairs butch cassidy and sundance kid and abbott and costello or (laughs) what a jump that was right i thought you were going (laughs) i meant the two ladies that drive off the cliff but i couldn't come up with it (laughs) Thelma louise there you go yes Oh my god. Well, I think Butch is one of the, like, canonical great outlaws. And I think in part, it's because of having a great movie. Yeah, that always helps. And in part, it's because of the name. I think honestly, we just remember them when they have great names like Doc Holliday yeah. and Billy the Kid yeah. and the Sundance Kid and stuff like that. Yeah. Versus like some of I mean, nobody remembers Harry Lanabaugh. Nope. That's the Sundance Kid's actual name. Nope. That's dumb. You remember the Sundance Kid? Yeah. Oh, well, how like, do you that's not? That's a cool name. Yeah. Or like Calamity Jane. Oh my gosh. Wild Bill. Yes. Those are those are superhero names or supervillain names exactly. or at least anti-hero. Yeah. You remember that more than you remember. Yeah. Bill and Joe yeah. and the this that and the other. Yeah. So those help concrete a legend i think so i'm ready i'm ready to start telling you about the legend of butch cassidy and then maybe what happened okay (laughs) i don't know this is a rabbit hole like i said so the general outline of sort of the legendary butch cassidy the character Mm -hmm. the the story that people will tell was pretty cemented in 1969 when William Goldman came out with the film Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Okay. And so he actually came across the story in the 50s and researched it on and off and was like, okay, well, I don't want to do the research to make this authentic as a novel, but I love this story. Okay. And what he said was, the whole reason I wrote the thing is 
because of that F. Scott Fitzgerald line that there are no second acts in American lives. And he read about Cassidy and Sundance and realized they went to South America and they lived there for eight years. Oh, he's like, that's an amazing second act. It really is. Two guys and a pretty girl at a place going down to South America and basically being cowboys in another hemisphere. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. He actually (laughs) couldn't sell the story for a while because in the 60s, like, you know, it's John Wayne and it's spaghetti westerns. Yeah. He sent it out. He only got one person who wanted to buy it and they said okay but they can't go to south america what and he's like but that's what happened in real life yeah and the studio had said i don't give a shit (laughs) all i know is john wayne don't run away (laughs) (laughs) okay (sighs) but they did They did. I'll tell you more about that. So the legend, though, the movie is basically you've got Bush Cassidy, who's played by Paul Newman, Mm -hmm. and the Sundance Kid, played by Robert Redford. So Mm -hmm. already eye candy. Oh, my. Then they've been robbing trains. They're charming. They have great chemistry. Fantastic chemistry. And they're running around with Etta Place, who is Sundance's lover. She's played by Catherine Ross, who's not as well known. She was in, like, um the graduate oh she was sort of a one of the 70s young women who had like a good run but you don't see her as much around these days okay so they are doing the pretty classic western thing and then butch says okay let's go straight like let's do our thing they move down to south america they become payroll guards for a mining company but basically it becomes evident to them that this life is never going to work out for them that there is too much violence there's too much lawlessness you've got to be lawless in a lawless world so Etta leaves they steal a payroll they arrive in town the local police are alerted there's a gunfight they take cover in a building they are hemmed in on all sides there's dozens of soldiers around them they charge out of the building guns blazing freeze frame famous western shootout you know famous hollywood thing where when you watch the movie you're like okay obviously these guys are wounded they're out of ammo yeah they are fucked they're gonna die yeah didn't make me see them die and i've seen them get out of really tight pinches before yeah and i can just imagine that they made it yeah so it freeze frames just like the thelma and louise ending where you're like i you didn't make me watch the very very end and the aftermath you just let him go out on this high note of all right we're fucked but we're together but we're yeah actual blaze of glory you're kind of doing that like lord of the rings ride out with me one last time you know (laughs) feeling yeah exactly and i don't know people hated it when it first came out no did they really yeah i know now it's like an american classic it's like you know afi 100 best movies one of the best screenplays of all time but they said it was a ripoff of bonnie and clyde they didn't like that they ran away they didn't like kind of the back and forth between these guys are sometimes classic western cowboys you know riding hard on a horse and holding up a train and shooting yeah but also sometimes they are what kind of wisecracking and 60s and relaxed and it just felt anachronistic i guess there's a very cute part where they ride a bicycle that's like a classic two-wheel like actual bicycle not a penny farthing i love it 
Wow. Uh, but this is this is what shapes the legend that it's Butch and Sundance. Mm-hmm. They are partners. They're together. He's kind of wisecracking and generous. Sundance is a little more closed mouthed. They love at a place, and she's sort of in this. It's not exactly a love triangle, but there's this tension of okay. like maybe in another life this could have happened. Okay. That's the legend, and that he died in a shootout in Bolivia. In, yes. Yes. Now, what William Goldman says as as like the the opening title card of the movie is not that it matters, but most of what follows is true. <sighs> I disagree. I think it does matter. Yes. <laughs> and I think a lot of it isn't true. But okay. I understand he's writing a movie. He's telling a story in yeah. a legend. Yeah. Let's talk about the real person. Okay. And the Sundance kid, for the most part, is a totally different thing. I'll, I'll set him aside until he becomes a part of the story. Okay. We're going to talk about Butch. Butch. Butch was born Robert Leroy Parker on April 13th, 1866 in Beaver, Utah. So his parents were both British, actually. They were British Mormon converts who were sent to the U.S. to sort of fill out the ranks during that big Mormon shaping of the West, right? So they start out in the Burned Over District in New York, And then that starts to not work out so good. So they move west and they move further west and eventually end up in Utah. Yeah. So his parents are Maximilian and Anne. And they move out in separate handcart trains. So I think we talked about this a little bit in Oregon Trail. That a lot of people didn't really have the classic like 50s cowboy Conestoga wagon. Yeah. These were handcart parties. So they literally just pushed all their shit in a wheelbarrow. Jesus. Across the country. Oh my God. Yeah. My arms <laughs> are burning in empathy mm-hmm. right now. Yes. It was exhausting. Oh, like you wow. maybe had some animals around, but they weren't doing all the labor. And you had yeah. kids. And like at one point, one of his, like, his, I think it's his uncle, which his uncle, like, disappeared for a couple days on the trail. And everybody's <laughs> having to make these really tough decisions about, like, shit, do we abandon this kid or do we stay here and starve? Fortunately, yeah. somebody rounded him up and okay. managed to get going. But holy crap. Okay. I'm just, so, you know, next- in my head, <laughs> like, you're walking through the plains. How the fuck do you disappear? If you run away, they can see you for a day and a half. It's fucking flat as fuck. (laughs) Well, right until you get to the mountains. Yeah. That meme that's going around about how Denver was clearly founded when a bunch of pioneers saw the Rocky Mountains and just went, well, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) As far as I'm going. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Done. With a fucking wheelbarrow. And there's no road. There's maybe a wagon rut. I'm like, I had to take fresh snack to the kindergartners today and i was like matt help me <laughs> i have a bag full of bananas <laughs> i can't do it we had to walk four blocks <laughs> so- <laughs> we are weak coddled modern americans <laughs> thank god we're already out west that helps thanks god yep okay so max and Anne had 13 babies god and Robert or Leroy, his parents tended to call him Robert. The kids called him Leroy. I don't know why. Frustrating. But yeah, 
sure. Uh, <laughs> they, he was the oldest, and the baby was Lula, who was 18 Aww. years younger. Okay. That adorable. That's a sweet name. Uh, yeah. And, of course, you have a lot of kids because you're Mormons, and also because you need the help on the ranch. Like, there's no... So many wheelbarrows. There's no zip recruiter. You just <laughs> produce them. <laughs> exactly. It's an unpaid internship. Uh-uh. Yeah. You're just my kid. <laughs> Yep. What you gonna do about it? Right. Yeah. So they had a ranch near Circleville, Utah, that was about 200 or so miles south of Salt Lake City. Okay. And their ranch was pretty much a a classic story of the time where it's like, okay, so we planted one batch of crops and they died. And then we planted (laughs) them again and they blew away. And then we planted them again and this time it worked. Like, life was fucking hard. Yeah. And the kids had to really step up. So one story that Lula tells, because I have a book by her, which I'll tell you more about later. Oh, wonderful. Is that her older sister was trying to make clothes for the kids while her mom was, I think, sick one time and or, or possibly in town looking after somebody who was sick. Okay. And she cuts these pants out and she sews them up. And every time she puts them on the little boy who's wearing them, they split. And she's like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I did this. It's not working. Why does this kid keep breaking these pants? I measured. And finally, yeah. somebody was like, a neighbor was like, you sewed the leg into the waist. Like, you took a leg measurement. <laughs> oh, you made it no. the waist measurement. Oh, that's why this dear. kid was splitting these pants. And I'm like, well, that's what happens when you have, like, an eight-year-old make pants. Well, yeah, totally. <laughs> she's doing a better job than I would. I would have been like, all y'all wearing kilts. You fuckers. Nobody gets pants. You better not ask me for no zippers or buttons. Velcro hasn't been invented yet, so if you can't do it with a drawstring, whatever. You're not doing it. If you're lucky, if you tear a (laughs) hole in that, I'm going to give you a Mowgli-type little (laughs) rapidy-do. Except that uses too much fabric. It's going to be made out of a flower sack. Exactly. Loin cloth it up, kid. (laughs) So, yeah. So, their family seems to have been pretty standard like pioneer folks were just Mm -hmm. tough as nails not hugely affectionate but they did love their family his mother was more devout his father was kind of what they call a jack mormon are you familiar with that one well i've heard that and that's kind of like you go to church on sundays but not really or yeah it's like you're you're culturally mormon or you're you're more affiliated with the mormon church or i should say the church of latter-day saints than anything else but you're not maybe obeying all the rules about what you can eat and drink and what businesses you're supposed to use because he was disappointed so i mean he was a guy who was so (laughs) into this faith that he was willing to move all this distance and yeah. his family was there and everything. But the problem was it was the West. Yeah. They didn't have judges yeah. out there. They had bishops and there was a claim jumping situation and the bishop ruled against Max. Okay. And okay. Max was like that, that really changed his perception of the yeah. church. He was yeah. like, Oh, they don't have a special insight into the truth and justice. Yeah. They just, are humans. Uh, so Leroy seems to have been a young man who didn't like, you know, he, he was like every Disney princess in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Oh. He wants much more than this provincial life. Yes. Like he, he has this energy. He's playful. He's a teenager. He's like getting busted smoking and doing all this kind of stuff. He doesn't want to just grind out his life as mm-hmm. a rancher, the way he's watching his parents do. 
Mm-hmm. He was very me. good with kids. He was very okay. good with horses. And I don't know if that's just like, you're very good with kids when you're the oldest of 13 kids and the only yeah. people you hang out with are kids. Yeah. But <laughs> according to yeah. Lula, he was also fantastic with horses such that he would often be called in because he was like the gentlest guy and the best resource you could use for a horse that was really wild he had like a real knack with them and he actually all the time would either put kids up in front of him when he was riding and let them Mm -hmm. ride with him or sometimes if there were too many kids he just put all the kids on the back of the horse and then lead it around (laughs) so that they got to have a little pony ride which i think is really cute sweet it was probably really fun god i want that that's the magic (laughs) that's the that's the power I want ascribed to me where animals mm. just instinctively love me and know me and they don't they don't Mm-mm. kids and animals I'm just like please please give me your attention and they're all like yeah a fucking lady's desperate she's gonna steal us and so they ignore me and it breaks my heart yeah the worst part is that you have that magnet but for drunk people oh my god for weird <laughs> drunk people I really <laughs> do try to land on your shoulder like Snow White's little birds a little <laughs> I'm going to tell you a secret. No, No, baby. I want to hear that secret. You stinky. Yeah, your pants fell down. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, that's not a secret. Everyone can see that. The leg part into the pants part, I guess. (laughs) Pants were made by an eight-year-old. Oh, my God. So he also was kind of... He got out to hijinks, as I think they would call it. And okay. one that I particularly liked as a sheer, like, you jackass kind of right. moment is he was helping out with somebody on their ranch one time and he found a dead rattlesnake and uh-huh. he picked it up with a pitchfork and his friend was working in the hayloft and he flung it with a pitchfork. Oh my God. Up oh my the God. Hayloft. <laughs> what a Dick. So this person just up there on this fucking rattlesnake comes <laughs> flying <laughs> in. Flying? Yeah. Flying snakes. <laughs> it's going... <laughs> and it flies through the air. Yeah, and you don't look at that and go, oh, of course, it's dead. You're just like, ah, oh. the fuck. Oh, my God. I survived cholera to be attacked by a flying rattlesnake. I hate this place. You would kill me if I oh pranked God. you like that. You would murder kill me. a rubber snake. I, yeah, you'd kill me if I threw a twig up there. <laughs> Look out for snakes. You would be so mad at me. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I, I love that story. And so his first criminal offense was pretty minor the first one that we have on the record okay and it's the kind of thing where i'm like oh shit i've thought about doing this a lot so he had kind of an attitude problem because he had picked up his dad's attitude toward authority a little bit of like okay he was watching the big cattle barons rip everybody off and he was watching the rich get richer he had a little bit of his you know socialist energy going on right and around 1880 so he's what he's about 14 at this point okay he is going to a store in another town and he's he wants to like go shopping and buy some stuff that they don't have at the ranch but it's closed so he breaks in and he takes a pair of jeans and he takes some pie (laughs) and then he leaves an (laughs) iou that says i'll get you on my next visit (laughs) Yep. <laughs> Which I'm like, that should have been legit. 
That should I had thought okay. about that as well. Yes. Just, I like, just want my fucking Lay's sour cream and cheddar chips. Oh my God. And I'll just, I'll put the money on the counter. I don't fucking care that it's over. Just count it. Yes. I, that occurs to me all the time when like, oh my God, like when I'm leaving a store and I've just like waited in the checkout line and had everything checked out. And I remember like, I didn't get a fucking pair of tweezers and I'm like, can I just yeah. have them? I right, just spent like $200 right. here. Can I just have them and you charge them like next time? Like I'll be back. It's fucking exactly. Target. You've seen me every three days this week. Like, <laughs> Look at my bank account. Yeah. When am I not coming back? <laughs> oh, so the guy whose store it was actually pressed charges, but the jury was like, no, that was close enough. That, okay. that should have been fine. Hey, thanks, jury. Don't be a dick. I guess was their, their, their ruling. Yeah. Oh, so I'm going to read you the part about Butch leaving home. So I'm reading from this book that's called Butch Cassidy, My Brother by Lula Parker Beatinson or Bettinson as told to Dora Fleck. So this came out in 1975. And okay. she, so she's got all the family stories. So she was just a baby mm-hmm. when Butch left because she was 18 years younger. But obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about your family. So oh, oh, I have this story, too, and I like it. When he was about 10, he had these new pants that his mom had made. And he was going to go okay. to his religion class. And he did not want to go. And she was watching <laughs> him. The mom was watching him at the window. And he clearly thought, oh, okay, well, she's gone back in the house. She's back to what she's doing. So she sees him suddenly drop to the ground and roll in the dust. Then he wanders oh. off. And when he comes back, she's like, what happened? And he's like, a bull chased me. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yep. (laughs) Your mother can always see you. Never lie to your mother. Bob, a.k.a. Leroy, a.k.a. Butch, when Mm -hmm. he was about 18, according to Lula, has this conversation with his mother, which a lot of lula's book is very like "Mm, nothing smells as good as your bread ma like it's very like you weren't there lula people don't really talk like this this is very novelistic but i think there's sort of the gist of it is there and he's like i don't like it here most people who are 18 are on their own. A lot of them are married. I'm going to go off. I'm going to do my thing. I want to say goodbye to you and the kids. Okay. So the next morning before anybody else is up, he gathers up his stuff. He eats breakfast. She sends him with some food. He wraps him. Uh, she wraps the food up in a blue blanket. And okay. he, he's like, I got it. I don't want to tell the kids goodbye. Like, I just want to leave. And that's so sad. It's very Irish of you. Yeah, I'm an Irish goodbye. I'm going Mormon goodbye. It's where instead of like <laughs> leaving the party early, you get up super early <laughs> and ride away yeah, on a horse. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is very like cinematic. So he has his mare, Babe, and mm-hmm. she has a colt named Cornish. I'm giving you the names of all the animals, as is the policy on this show. And here's the part that makes me very sad. He says, I'll be back soon, Ma, I promise. And she's like, Leroy, whatever happens, hurry back. We need you as much as you need us. But then the part that makes me so sad is they have this big yellow dog named Dash. And he's like, where are we going? Where are we going? And Bob has to be like, Leroy has to be like, you can't go. You can't go. So he puts a rope around the collar and has his mama hold the rope so that Dash can't follow. He 
and bathe in Cornish as they ride away. Mm-hmm. And Dash is like pulling the whole time, like, where are we going? No. I want to go. They don't understand. Don't That's know. why you can't. That's why everyone should work from home to be with their yeah. pets at all times because yeah. they don't understand. Yeah, that's how we've determined that Cubby's working memory is about 12 minutes long is if we leave her outside longer than that when she's supposed to go pee, when she comes back in, she's like, you found me, you found me. And then she just like runs in joyful circles and like runs into shit. And we're like, yeah, from the outer darkness, we retrieved you. <laughs> we told you we would always come back for yep. you, Cubby. <laughs> Thank God. The incredible journey for getting Cubby back from the front yard. <laughs> Amazing. I don't think she's going to be one of those those creatures that if she ever gets separated from us, she's going to make it a thousand miles. She's going to sit there no. and eventually be like, well, I guess I live here and always have. What do you mean eventually? Yeah. 12 minutes later, yep, she'll exactly. be like, you look pretty cool. <laughs> hey, new mom. So far, I told you about Robert Leroy Parker, a.k.a. Bob, who we know better as Butch Cassidy, his legend, how he grew up, his family, and leaving home. So, part three, Outlaw Days. Mm. (laughs) I have this broken into parts, but I haven't been announcing them. This one is Outlaw Days. (laughs) Outlaw Days. he was good with horses, so he became a ranch hand. Like, this okay. was pretty much the gig, right? It was before the Devil's Wire, before Barbed Wire, which we know you have very strong feelings about. I do! Uh, <laughs> and so you needed cowboys. Any place where there was a bunch of cattle moving, you needed people to move them, and you needed ranches. So yeah. Butch worked there and in, in this area in various ranches. Like, this is all territories at the time, right? Some of them are kind of becoming states during this era, but it's pretty wild. And he starts drifting into sketchier and sketchier company. He's hanging out with (laughs) a wild bunch, perhaps? He's hanging out with a wild bunch. (laughs) (laughs) So for sure, he served 18 months in the Wyoming state prison for horse theft. According to Lula... It was because, remember that cult Cornish? Yeah. Apparently, he was, like, boarding it with somebody. And either that person or somebody who had the authority to try this decided to say, no, that's my horse. Like, you can't take it with you when you go. And he's like, are you Uh. kidding? Like, that's my mare's colt. I didn't sell it to you. Like, I've been raising it. Anyway, his family and friends say this was a frame-up. Horse theft and cattle theft and mavericking were pretty common crimes yeah but the cattle theft and the mavericking seem to have been which is you know you put your own brands on Mm -hmm. cattle and you you steal them away that seems to have been something butch was pretty comfortable with because he saw the giant cattle barons who were like back east getting rich as the problem with the west he's like they will steal your land they will steal anything from you that you can. They will leave people to starve. They're not yeah. part of this community. He was kind of doing a Robin Hood thing because yeah. this was sort of his sense of justice. And, you know, obviously never met the guy, but this comes through pretty clearly in all the stories about him mm-hmm. is that he was not somebody who liked to fuck others over just for the sake of chaos. He actually... Yeah 
when he could, would just work a regular job. But he was sort of the Western equivalent of the people who were like, it doesn't matter if you steal from Walmart because, you know, it doesn't affect yeah. Sam Walton's family. And yeah. of course, there's arguments against that, which is, you know, there's punishments for the people who didn't catch you stealing. But yeah. in general, he didn't. Well, for one thing, you don't rob from the poor because they don't have any money. But <laughs> it's not worth he your also time, damn was, it. was a pretty generous and relaxed guy. Yeah. So after he left prison in 1896, he joined up with other outlaws and they formed the Wild Bunch. Yeah. Also known as the Hole in the Wall Gang. Two yes. fantastic names. Oh. And their specialty was robbing banks and trains. Okay. And I won't go through the whole spiel of on this date, they robbed this thing and they had this much money and blah, 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 blah. But they had a couple of classic maneuvers that really set them apart and contributed mm-hmm. to their fame. One is that it's actually pretty hard to rob a train. They're fast and they, yeah. <laughs> they do their thing. They, and they the just keep going, safe. Liz. Yeah, they just keep going. Well, he's got dynamite and fast horses and... Okay. Uh, that's a good approach. Yeah. It, they also would rob banks and they usually would have somebody case the joint for a couple days before, either from across the street or just hang out in the building mm-hmm. or whatever. They did a lot of research, which is interesting. And their technique for escape was as soon as they had the money, they would take off in a couple directions on really fast horses so that the slim amount of law enforcement that was around would have to figure out, oh, shit, like, who's got the money? Who do I chase? Like, who's the most threatening? And in general, as gangs go, I wouldn't say they were completely harmless. Like, people did get shot. Sure. People did get hurt, but this was something Butch was against. He would tell people off. He did not like it to be violent if it didn't need to be violent. His code of ethics was like, I'm not taking your life. I'm taking your money. Now, if you decide to try to take my life in response to that, then yes, I'm going to shoot back at you. But we don't have to make this into a life or death situation. Like, it's just money. Yeah. Yeah. So he actually, with his horse training powers, would teach (laughs) horses and buy good horse flesh such that not only could they take off on these really fast horses that they had, but he trained the horses they did have that as soon as this person jumps off the one horse and their butt lands in your saddle, you take off running. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that's like a technique, right? Because normally a horse is just going to like throw you. Or oh, yeah, be like, totally. what fuck, and fall yeah. over, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, or just not go... a natural thing. No. All right, so we're walking now. I don't know mm-hmm. what you want me to do. You tell me, Dad. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I'm going to scrape you off on a tree. I don't know what yep. your shit is. Yeah, so this was a specialty of theirs, is the fast escape in multiple directions, and then they'd meet up later at this predetermined point. Some mm-hmm. of them with really great names, like, you know, the Hole in the Wall, which was sort of this canyon which a lot of gangs used because basically there was one approach. So law enforcement really could not get the jump on you in there or another place called robber's roost, which I also love. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. According to the have? I don't know. A marketing director, apparently clearly robber's roost alliteration Mm. and uh, evokes kind of the swooping down. Very piratical. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like they kind of are swashbuckling and they do exactly. and swing on a rope. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I picture it. <sighs> yeah. Everybody has a story about Butch and the gang hiding out at their ranch, including somebody I work with who has a ranch in Utah who no says way. that Butch allegedly holed up at okay. that ranch back in the day. And it's the kind of thing where very possibly I said, if I find any references specifically to this, I'll tell you, but of course the landscape changes a lot and it's sure. not like he kept a really, really detailed diary of like on this date, I was at exactly this latitude and longitude. It just be like <laughs> I was at somebody's ranch about 10 miles North of this river. Yeah. You know, that I would hit be out as in much a as I knew. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a barn. I do not know. Yeah. So during this time, you know, he's getting all the publicity they're admiring the wild bunch and sort of this like it's so exciting that they're so bad way you know the newspapers yeah. are covering them they're exaggerating stuff yeah i think we talk about the wild bunch and the hole in the wall gang like it was this collective of very organized guys and really it's just that there were a couple people who liked to work together and then mm-hmm. some other ones that they knew. And sometimes they worked together and sometimes they didn't. And sometimes a wild bunch robbery would happen that Butch wasn't even involved in, or sometimes completely different people would do yeah. shit. And then they'd be like, it was a wild bunch. And you're like, how do they go 300 miles in two minutes to do both these jobs at the same time? That's amazing. They're wizards. <laughs> Because it was much more exciting to say, oh, I was robbed by the legendary wild bunch who have these, you know, special talents and they, they, you know, defeat even the best, even the best law enforcement can't stop them versus like, yeah, I just got mugged. I I got mugged and I didn't (laughs) really feel like hoofing it after him. So yes. Oh my God. At one point, there's a law enforcement guy. I think he's a marshal or something. They rob the bank, they take off. He takes off after them with his horse and realizes he's catching up to them, but the rest of the posse isn't catching up to him. So he goes, I have to pee. And he stops the horse. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to confront them piece. myself. Yeah. Like, oh, oh my shit. goodness. It's like what a dog would do if it caught a car. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh no! Wait, oh God! <laughs> it's so much bigger than I am. Fuck! Oh God! I don't want this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't but- ask for this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they took off with a lot of money over the years—a okay. lot of money—and they had the Pinkerton set on them. That fantastic name for the detective agency yes. that was a big part of law and order in the West. The Pinkertons were after them. Local law enforcement seems to have been a mix of, I want to bring this guy in because I'll be a legend and I don't really want to fuck with these guys. Like, yeah, it's not worth my life to get between them and the money that they're trying to get. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I may or may not leave this in, but I read Lydia, this weird grim fairy tale. That's not one of the better known ones. But it's like these two sisters go to work for a witch and the first one when she goes like helps out like a a bunch of mysteriously alive things on her way like an apple tree that's like oh I have too many apples help me and she helps and then later when she runs away from the witch the apple tree's like hide up here yeah I don't know where she went 
And then, like, the okay. bad sister doesn't help. And so the apple tree is like, right the fuck oh. here, get her. I feel like <laughs> I bring that up. That's exactly how the Brothers Grimm characterized it. Right the fuck I here, get her. <laughs> I bring this up not just to mangle a classic fairy tale, but because I think of Butch when I think of this story, because he mm-hmm. was so generous with all the yeah. damn money that everybody was happy to see him. Yeah. So there is a legend slash may have some basis, in fact, that is told by Lula. This friend from work told it to me. It's a part of the Butch Cassidy image where he is stopping off with his family and they look after him, but it's this, you know, poor widow woman. And she's so sad because the mortgage collector is coming and she doesn't have the money. And Butch says, okay, how much money do you need? All right, here you go. And when he comes, you get the receipt so that you show it's paid off and you're going to be okay. And she's like, oh my God, like, you're so nice. All this kind of stuff. You know, he, his mother used to use the biblical proverb that bread cast upon the water will come back to you. Basically the Mm -hmm. idea that if you do nice stuff for other people, it comes back, maybe not from them, but it comes back somehow to you. Yeah. And very karmic. Yeah, it's very karmic, very threefold rule. So in Mm -hmm. this story, legend or whatever, Butch rides off. The mortgage collector comes. She pays him the money. She gets the receipt. The mortgage collector rides off and then Butch pops out of the bushes and says, (laughs) give me your money. (laughs) 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 So that's somewhere in the realm of I can totally believe it would happen. I don't believe it happened the way that Lula said, where, like, the guy stops to count the money on the road right in front of where Butch is hiding. I'm like, okie doke. I don't think so. But I I completely think that could have happened, because that's hilarious. Yeah. I love it. It's better to believe it. It's (laughs) way better to believe it. Similarly, there's a young guy where... So, this feels like long, long ago to us. But Mm -hmm. when the movie came out, this was like 70 years ago. So there's a lot of people still alive who were kids who knew him in this era. And there's this one kid whose family he would stay with occasionally. And he remembered admiring this horse that Butch had, this white horse. And Butch was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's great. And he taught him about working with horses. There was this one thing where they won a bunch of money because Butch was the only one who could stay on this horse because Butch was the only one who had figured out the horse didn't like shaps. So everybody oh. else would jump on it and it'd be pissed off and throw them and then Butch would get on and be fine. <laughs> and yeah. 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 Just wear your dungarees. It just yeah. doesn't like the leather, guys. There you go. But yeah, so when the bank job happened and Butch took off, you know, they would leave the spent horses and jump on the new horses and take off. He actually left a note saying, please give this white horse to such and such kid at such and such ranch. Oh, and they that's did. sweet. Isn't that cute? I love that a lot. Yeah. Little guy. He was helping his friend. Yeah, there's a million stories like that. The, the things that you always hear about him is he did not like unnecessary violence. He was really good with kids, and he was really good with animals. And those yeah. are things that I like about a person. 
I really I'm okay do. with all of those things. Yep. Exactly. When Utah was becoming a state, there was this guy who was going to be the governor. And uh-huh. this is one of those very disputed incidents. And there's a lot of them because the outlaw history has mostly been conducted by people like us, enthusiastic amateurs with very little training Mm -hmm. in this specific area. So (laughs) that's a lot like archaeology through the ages. We we make a mess of things. I'm a geologist. (laughs) (laughs) Neat rock. And then of course you have the legend and you have the fact that there are lies and you have newspapers Mm -hmm. just running around printing whatever the fuck as ever oh yeah and most academic historians have a hard time getting their universities to be interested in this sort of salacious pop culture history so anyway all that to say according to some cassidy actually asked the governor for amnesty so that he could get out of the outlaw life so one resource even said the governor was thinking about getting him a job guarding trains because oh, yeah. <laughs> are you going to fuck with a train that has Butch Cassidy on it? No. And are you like, <laughs> it's like when websites hire the people that were able to hack yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, fuck yeah, I'm going to use you. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know exactly what low life's like you were looking for. <laughs> yes. What seems to have happened, and again, in dispute, is that while this mm-hmm. was under consideration, the Hole in the Wall gang robbed a train, which should not have happened, according to the amnesty discussion that was in place. Okay. He was going to say, like, we're going to leave everything in Utah alone in exchange okay. for this deal. Now, depending on what resource you use, either it was Butch not giving a fuck and doing it anyway, trying to have it both Mm -hmm. ways, or it was other members of the gang doing it without his input. Yeah. You said sometimes they would go on raids that he didn't even, he wasn't part of. Yeah, it it wasn't like a official, they didn't have like a charter and a secret handshake that I know of. They were just (laughs) a bunch of criminals that liked the same hangout and were friends. Yeah. (laughs) Or alternately, according to some, it was nothing to do with him or anything, anybody he knew. Like it it just seems to have been another train robbery and they're like, well, fuck you. Mm. Okay. So that was yeah, it. Pin it on him. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty much the end of his chance to go straight, as they say. Okay. In 1900, they take a photograph you may have seen where it's called the Fort Worth Five picture. And mm-hmm. it's Cassidy, it's the Sundance Kid, and three of their buddies. And yeah. they are sitting there in Fort Worth, Texas, getting their picture made, as one did. They're all dressed up. They all have bowler hats on. They (laughs) seem to have washed their faces. They have pocket watches. And they're sitting on like this weird collection of chairs in front of what is clearly a fake photo backdrop. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. This is, it's a very iconic photo. Exactly. Exactly. Because you're like, oh my God, all these outlaws in one place and amazing and they just look like Mm -hmm. dapper and they (laughs) look like they're kind of having a fun time they're being a little bit cheeky yeah 
I don't know why yeah. they decided to get their picture taken or if they were just like, yay, let's do it. Best buddies. <laughs> or if they were being little shits because this kind of backfired on them because the Pinkerton okay. detective agency got a copy of it somehow. And all of a sudden oh, they no. actually have pictures of these guys that they can use for wanted posters. Because, you know, oh, I didn't, in the 1800s, okay. you don't have a lot of pictures. I didn't realize they didn't already. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I, and I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. I was just like, whatever, you've got your dumb little mug shots. Of course they've got photos yeah. of you. Like there was, there was a mug shot of Butch from his prison stint. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the photo quality wasn't as good. Sure. I don't know. He's a pretty distinctive looking guy. I don't know if you've ever gotten a look at him, but he is. If, go ahead. Little round face. Yeah. He's got like a very wide jaw. His, mm-hmm. his facial features are very like centered. Um, yeah. He's, he's like a, he's got like a Lego man head. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does look like a little Duplo version of himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not saying he's bad looking, but like relative to the other guys no. in the picture, he's clearly he's a little fire plug. Like he's he's, yeah, he he's not got a heart shaped face or an oval. He's just like squirt 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 square. He's a square yep. guy with a round bowler hat on him. Yep. Yeah. This will come back because he is very distinctive looking. He's not like a lot of people in photographs of that era where you're like you look like everyone everyone looks like everyone when they've got like the same facial hair the same collar stock and the same like combed down hairstyle no he's pretty i call those golden retriever people because i can't tell gold i can tell most dogs apart but if you get me five golden retrievers i would just (laughs) i would not be able to tell them apart if you got me five Um, golden retrievers i'd be too happy to bother to tell them apart (laughs) You wouldn't care. They'd all be angel babies. Yeah, they are. <sighs> so they're under a lot of pressure from law enforcement, from mm-hmm. a lot of territories that are becoming states that are trying to prove, hey, we can be a state. We can have our shit together. We cannot have completely lawless, famous bandits roaming around. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cassidy and Sundance go to New York City. Of all places, which is hilarious okay. to me. Like, they're they're wow. evading pursuit by detectives who are looking for them in, like, canyons and cabins and all kinds of shit. And they're like, let's go to Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's go to the highest profile place there is in America right yes. now. But on the other hand, you'd never expect it, right? <laughs> no. Yeah. No little cowboy in the big city. I mean, half of the magic of what these guys are able to do is just... They're very willing to pull up stakes and go f- so far away from the last place w- that they were seen. They'll go yeah. hundreds of miles and start their lives over. Yeah. They don't care. Oh, I meant to tell you, <laughs> this is the era sort of before things tip over into full-time banditry when he gets the okay. name Butch. And it's oh, because yeah. he was working for this ranch and this camp and he was the one who would bring the meat and cut it up. He was oh, the butcher. He was the butcher. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Cassidy is it seems to be a name that a friend of his had. And so mm-hmm. he started using aliases pretty early when he would get arrested 
because he didn't want to embarrass his family. Like when he very first got arrested, okay. uh, he his dad came and bailed him out and they had to have a whole conversation. I'm sure it was very embarrassing. Mm-hmm. He started using a lot of aliases and Cassidy was one of the ones he used a lot. It's the one that we know him by. It's not necessarily the one okay. he used most of the time. He would okay. use all kinds of combinations of like Leroy, Robert, his mother's maiden name, names mm-hmm. of people he knew. Sometimes he yeah. was George. It was a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just whatever. Yeah. George Glass. Yeah. <laughs> Seth Plate. <laughs> thing I'm looking at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it was a very good time to have a lot of aliases. And I'm like, what the fuck are they going to do? Look you up in the computer? You're, yeah, <laughs> you're right. like, I'm Logan Carver. Right. Prove I'm not. <laughs> what's your What's your social yeah. security number? Nine. <laughs> <laughs> so there's at least one time during this era where he was rumored to have died because some people oh. got shot robbing a train, and somebody who didn't know what the fuck or didn't didn't care was like that's Bush Cassidy. Yeah. And apparently mm. he found out about this and like saw the pictures and was like, oh, that guy's better looking than me. <laughs> that's, not- <laughs> <laughs> that's not really me. But that's fairly precious. Yeah, that's a little bit of a uh, foreshadowing. That's a foreshadowing. Ah. The foreshadowing of Butch and Sundancer together. They're in New York. They are fleeing the Pinkertons and the law enforcement agencies. They're trying to go straight. It's not working out. And Mm -hmm. on February 20th, 1901, they leave from New York City aboard a a British steamboat going to Buenos Aires, Argentina. The second February 20th is a uh, Ah! auspicious date for that. That's your birthday. (laughs) And my birthday. Oh, yes, they were like, let's just have a drink in Manhattan to something amazing that's going to happen in 82 years, 83 years. Yes, I can. Yeah, right. So this is their departure from the Wild West that we know. And they're going to go someplace else. But I'm going to have to tell you more about it next time. I did it. Oh, you did. All right. You did the thing. This is, sorry, folks, this is a long one. And we're about to get into the more bizarre stuff. But you had to know who we were talking about and who he was and what his deal was and what the legend was before we started talking about the second and possibly third act. So. Uh, yeah, we had to, but Liz also gets off being withholding. Well, so. yeah, look at me getting off. Okay. <laughs> you got to stay in the loop. So you're going to subscribe okay. on iTunes, Podbean, wherever fine podcasts are. If we're not there, it's not good enough for us. That's probably what oh, it is. You deserve better. Yeah. Move along. Uh, catch up with us in the meantime on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can go to WeijaBroads.com mm-hmm. for our guides, a complete episode list, uh, stuff about merchandise. If you're interested in that, you can mm-hmm. go to Patreon. And I would like to thank our new patron, Jeffrey, who joined us Thanks, in October. Jeffrey. Jeffrey, that's exciting. And of course, that's thanks wonderful. as usual to all our patrons, whether you're able to stick around for just a little bit or have been there the whole time. Every little bit helps and we appreciate it. 
And yes, that's wonderful. So yes. let's see. I will be, if you're really, really dying to know, it's very likely that the second part of this episode will go up on Patreon early because I maintain the release schedule on the main feed. But as soon as the episode is done, I drop it on Patreon. So that's just good for your dollar. Because you're, you're badass. <laughs> yeah. You get the midnight showing. You get the special preview. <laughs> you get the midnight showing. <laughs> the mi- well. well. All right. I'm very excited to tell you about the second part, the Spokane part, the shootouts, all the chaos. And I want you to live weird. To die weird. And stay weird. Cowboys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.